Hello, this is Eric Boyce, CEO and Chief Investment Officer for BK Wealth Consulting, and welcome to Market Minutes for December 6th of 2022. Uh, welcome, everybody. Hope you had a good week as we tread into the final month of 2022, coming off a pretty decent week. In fact, uh, coming off a, a pretty decent little stretch, although we've seen uh, here early this week some increase in volatility. Uh, that I think is probably going to pick up as we head towards the end of the year. Uh, and just kind of looking at the data, you know, we have some good elements, uh, some positive elements, uh, some uh, maybe less positive elements as we kind of head into the uh, last Federal Open Market Committee meeting of the year, which comes up here uh, fairly soon. But, you know, last week we actually had a pretty good uh, run in the equity markets. Uh, Dow Jones was up about uh, two-tenths of a percent. S&P was up over a percent. NASDAQ was up two percent. Uh, we had uh, Fed Chairman Powell's uh, comments on Wednesday, which really incited the uh, the market, got, got everyone excited, you know, kind of hinted at a slower rate of uh, increase in the interest rates. Uh, that was viewed as in entirely dovish, although he was pretty poignant in his comments. I want to caution everybody that this was not a, you know, <clears throat> a statement that the Fed is, is willing to back off inflation. Uh, I think far be it. Uh, it's just that the, the rate of uh, increases at each meeting is going to likely go down. And honestly, it, depending on the pace of inflation itself, it could prolong the rate tightening cycle uh, a little bit longer. So I've been saying that I think We've got about six months of this uh, kind of increased volatility with, you know, perhaps rate increases heading into the late spring. I think that's still the base case scenario. Obviously could change, but, uh, you know, we do see elements of inflation peeling off now, but wages were up quite a bit uh, last week. Uh, and I guess maybe seeing a few chinks in the, uh, in the labor market. We'll talk about that in a second. But Again, a good week in the stock market. Uh, market really love uh, Fed Chairman Powell's statements. Uh, it looks like we're only going to get a half of a uh, uh, percentage increase in interest rates this year. Uh, notably, too, that the uh, Dow Jones Industrial Average uh, is up more than 20% from its low. So it's actually technically exited a bear market, which is uh, actually pretty phenomenal considering uh, where we've uh, where we've been. And, and honestly, we've had... Um, you know, a pretty good rise in markets all across the, the world. We had developed markets outside the U.S. and emerging markets actually outperformed the S&P 500 uh, over the last month. And, uh, you know, are up since May. We've had a, a little bit of weakness in the dollar. Uh, and uh, so, you know, December is historically a pretty good month for stocks. Uh, and, you know, because obviously we've got the holiday shopping season, there's generally a fair amount of euphoria over, over that because uh, that in and of itself represents a, a fairly uh, stout percentage of total consumer spending that happens during the holiday shopping season. Um, but, uh, you know, if we look at fixed income, uh, yields were down for the week. Again, a really strong risk on trade, if, if you will. And honestly, I'd say the risk on trade has been with us for the for the balance of November as well. So, you know, uh, you know, outside of oil and some of the energies, basically all assets risk related increased in price. Uh, and so dollar dropped. Uh, so there's increased risk taking. Uh, you know, we've seen uh, comments from Sandy Lee. It's a poll 
National Association of Active Investment Managers, equity exposure fell in September to the lowest level since 2020. It's since jumped to a four-month high. It's exactly what he writes here, and that's pretty impressive. So that's a huge turnaround. Uh, so uh, a lot of uh, asset flows into equities now. Um, and uh, let's see other things. In terms of data, you know, I'll kind of talk about puts and takes, strong data kind of reinforces some of the positive momentums we've still, we, we see you know, driving the, the economy here domestically. We had uh, 263,000 job uh, or payroll uh, increase in November. Uh, that was an upside to expectations. And we had pretty good gains in manufacturing, leisure, hospitality, construction. Um, you know, like I did say a, a minute or so ago, we did have a, a, a six-tenths of a percent month-over-month -month jump in average hourly earnings, which brought annual wage gains up to about 5%. Uh, and, uh, you know, obviously if the Fed is trying to target 2% growth, you know, wages are extremely sticky. You know, once you get down that path, it's, it's really hard to extricate yourself. And so, you know, if we look at this in terms of real wage growth, I mean, still probably trailing inflation to some degree, even though inflation's coming down. So real wages are, are kind of tight. But what, what we're also seeing here is as strong as that number represents, um, but we had total hours worked uh, was up a, uh, really about 1.1% on an annual rate over the last three months, if you look at it on it look at it on a trend line basis. And so that kind of suggests slower job growth uh, ahead. Uh, in fact, uh, so, um, uh, you know, that, and that's pretty interesting. So uh, obviously unemployment data, not you know, that alarming yet, but continuing claims as pointed out by First Trust in their piece this week, uh, averaged about 1.36 million in the four weeks ended October 1. Uh, and in the four weeks into November 19, it was up uh, 1.54. And so, you know, they're pointing out that that's obviously an increase that bears note, uh, that we should be watching that trend. And, and, and I tend to agree with them. And this is something that the Fed's been watching is it probably signals that we've seen that low point in unemployment uh, and that, uh, you know, job growth is likely to be slower uh, in the months ahead. Now, other data that we've seen here uh, lately has been the Institute for Supply Man uh, Management. Uh, ISM Manufacturing Index was below the 50 uh, line, so it represents contraction. Uh, and that's the first, you know, reading below 50 that we've seen since uh, really early COVID. Uh, you know, services is still in expansion mode, uh, but goods is clearly uh, contracting. So, and that's, that's okay. That's what we expect in this environment. Uh, I wouldn't, uh, you know, you know, be too alarmed. Uh, some people are, uh, you know, that that's very consistent with where we are in this cycle and this downturn, uh, and I expect to see that number probably go a little bit lower before it uh, trends back up again. But uh, again, risk on in the markets, data not too bad. Um, you know, let's see. Looking at some other things here, we've got. Um, uh, let's see, uh, we talked about wages uh, and uh, talked about uh, spending. Uh, a lot of, uh, I think they're expending, a, or excuse me, expecting, analysts are expecting a, a fairly decent consumption uh, pattern uh, for the holiday spending season. Uh, so we'll have to watch uh, that. And you, you translate, you know, sales into 
you know, earnings for S&P 500 companies, um, you know, third quarter earnings that are kind of in the rear view mirror now, we're up about 2% year over year. You know, the naysayers say that that's the slowest rate of growth that we've seen since the third quarter of 2020, so two years ago. Uh, we're uh, expecting an, an earnings drop in the fourth quarter. Uh, just in last June, we were looking for high single digits, and now we're looking for negative 2% for the fourth quarter. Um, and, and here's the real bugaboo, I think, for the markets. You talk about valuation uh, and all of that, and valuation is only as good as the earnings that support it. And so right now, analysts are pretty optimistic for 2023. Uh, right now, there's kind of a 5% growth estimate for the whole index for the S&P 500 uh, next year. And, and that is based on margins, which have held held up for the most part. Um, and uh, you know, you see a lot of pricing power on the part of companies that are able to pass those along to consumers. Uh, and you know, that ties back to excess savings, which we've talked a lot about. Excess savings, personal savings uh, rates are going down. And at some point, there's there's a law of diminishing returns where consumers can no longer support the spending uh, that they're that they're uh, injecting into the economy right now because the savings are going to draw down to the point where they can't draw on those savings anymore and so you know i think you know that could fuel earnings uh, uh, decline beyond what's uh, being built into forecast right now and maybe five percent earnings growth next year is is perhaps a tad high uh, but you know, and kind of to wit that point, uh, market, uh, you know, pundits are actually pretty bearish. And so, uh, you know, if you look at the predictions overall, you know, price-wise, you know, or index-wise for the, if, for the S&P 500, not earnings, but the index performance, they're looking for multiple contraction. They're looking for negative performance out of the index uh, next year. And so you've coming out of this year, obviously we're going to be well, negative unless something cataclysmic happens in the final three weeks of the year. Um, you know, the SP is going to be negative, but if it's negative next year, uh, and, and we've seen lots of charts on this, and Charlie Bellello has some great work on this that we've highlighted in our charts of the week. Uh, but in basically 100 years worth of data, there have only been two consecutive years of losses on four occasions. And Sandy, also mentions this in his weekly notes. Uh, so uh, bearish uh, sentiment there. Um, you know, you look at the fixed income mark. We, we talked about how yields were down for the week and the, the inversion in the yield curve is really, really entrenched. I mean, you know, we've got the, the, the difference, uh, the three month uh, treasury bill uh, is uh, almost, over eight tenths of a percent higher than the 10 year rate. And the two year versus the 10 year is up almost eight tenths of a percent. And, um, uh, you know, I mean, this is the largest uh, inversion that we've seen since 1981. So think about that for a second. And you all know what was going on then. I mean, we were on the precipice of a of a recession, which got us realigned for basically the great expansion in the longest bull market and fixed income that we've ever seen. Um, and so, you know, we've had, uh, uh, you know, we've had, had a lot of activity overseas. We see maybe emerging market bonds and overseas bonds and overseas equities in general, maybe become a tad more attractive. I mean, the relative value 
proposition, you know, to to U.S. is very, um, uh, is, is actually pretty compelling right now. And, and then the, the the one thing kind of preventing a headlong jumping of two feet into that uh, into that uh, moat is uh, just been the lack of a real catalyst. And so. Uh, we're still looking at that, still analyzing that. Uh, you know, the market itself, if, again, on fixed income, if you're looking at junk bond spreads, it's really not pricing in a recession right now. Uh, not at all. In fact, you know, investment grade uh, spreads are, you know, generally about, you know, two percentage points and maybe up to three percentage points, you know, if you get into a, a weaker environment. And, you know, they're like basically half that right now. So there is, it's not, ex, you know, there's not an expectation out there of recession as it's being priced into the bond markets. And I really do trust the bond markets uh, as an early predictor of where, where things are going to go, much more so than I'd ever attribute to the equity market. Um, you know, chunk yield bonds, uh, or bond, excuse me, chunk bond yields are down. So we've seen actually a little bit of tightening there. That's very uh, interesting uh, itself. So, um, so we talked about uh, Fed Chairman uh, Powell and his remarks that uh, I think you know may prove uh, themselves kind of transitory uh, because the market is still, um, you know, he's still talking about the overheated labor market uh, and wage growth is still above. The level we've talked about that 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 is going to be an issue they're going to continue to wrestle with again because wage growth is hard to bring down once you prop it up um, and uh, so you know he notes that that as a concern uh, even though there's been some progress on the inflation side but uh, you know but uh, you know labor demand is still pretty high uh, and um, you know, and we still have a dislocation in the market. We saw older workers that exited and we saw job participation, uh, labor market participation rates drop and we still haven't seen that pick up. And we've got a, we still have an immigration issue where we're, we're struggling to fill gaps in workforce uh, with, uh, in, call it imported labor uh, because of lack of visas and things like that. So there's still gonna be a dislocation in labor and labor costs likely to remain uh, remain a little bit high, but, um, you know, it, it's going to say, you know, for every positive speech uh, out there, you know, like a la uh, Fed Chairman Powell, there's, you know, more bearish uh, uh, comments from other Fed, Fed speak, uh, speakers. And, uh, and this is a theme that has been going on for uh, like at least a month or two now. So like every, every Fed, uh, spokesperson out there uh, that, you know, talks about maybe a slowing in the rate of growth of interest rates. There's somebody else that's saying that they need to keep their foot on the accelerator. And New York Fed uh, President Williams uh, is definitely in that uh, uh, in that camp. But and, and he I think everyone, including himself, acknowledges that the pace of this uh, increase, you know, with the transmission rate that's delayed in the economy. You know, you raise rates and the economy really begins to fill it about six to nine months later. And that that could uh, increase the chance of recession. So, uh, and then you get unemployment moving, you know, probably two percentage points up to, you know, at least a percentage and a half, you know, up to like 5% or maybe even up a little bit, uh, a little bit long, uh, higher than that. Um, and uh, so, but you, you, you actually have a, a, 
again, to kind of summarize that point, you've got a lot of speculation out there that uh, in, in an environment that we're in now that it's very unusual because, you know, I mean, it's rare that we have interest rates increasing at the same time that we have kind of aggressive uh, quantitative tightening uh, where the Fed is reducing the size of its balance sheet. But let, let me bring everybody back to this whole notion that we've been talking about consistently, and that's money supply. Money supply growth is really slowing to a trickle. Uh, that will have a bearing on inflation, and we're not going to see it tomorrow or maybe next week. Uh, we're seeing it evolve in, in ways that uh, maybe you know, harder to put the mosaic on it right now because labor costs are so high, but, you know, we see goods demand falling. We see utilization falling. We see uh, corporate uh, level sentiment that, that's kind of ebbing uh, and, and corporate uh, CEO confidence. It, it, you know, honestly, the, the report I saw, I believe, from the uh, conference board, uh, it, it, which has large and medium-sized business businesses in their constituency, uh, you know, their survey doesn't call for a recession, but it clearly shows that slowing confidence level. And I think that, uh, you know, we'll learn a lot uh, when we get into uh, the fourth quarter earnings season uh, with a lot of pre-announcements and comments uh, in the earnings calls and things like that. I think we're going to hear uh, a very consistent theme about the world is kind of slowing down, the, the global economy is slowing down. We see trade contracting. Uh, you know, that, that's fine. Uh, you know, that, that's part of the cyclical nature of, of, of things. And uh, again, I think money supply growth, which I actually see this going down around the world. It's all these other countries are struggling with, you know, their own currency rates relative to the strong dollar that we've had and, and they want to keep up, you know. Uh, and so, you know, they're tightening as well. And so, you know, it, it, when you tighten money supply, you, you know, there's a lot of contraction that comes with it over time. And I think once we get past that, again, about six months down the road, I think there's going to be a lot more visibility uh, that we're going to have uh, and maybe a bit more clarity uh, in that point too. And the clarity, I think, is what ultimately is going to give us, you know, some uh, some better visioning on, on where the market's going to end up uh, next year. But uh, for the time being, I'd say, you know, stay uh, the course with, uh, you know, you know, emphasizing quality, uh, short duration, um, you know, income flows where you can get it. Obviously, things that are tied to interest rates are paying a bit more money uh, than they were. So cash itself is a viable asset class for the time being. It's, it's certainly muted on volatility and you don't have to go take on a lot of risk to get a lot of yield right now. So um, anyway, that's my comments this week. Hope you've enjoyed uh, the thoughts there. Uh, welcome your thoughts if you have any uh, opinions and uh, otherwise have a great week and we'll talk to you again soon.